Welcome to SkyTel Insights, the go-to podcast for owners of multi-location dental practices or med spas. Good day, everyone, and welcome to SkyTel Insights. Very excited about today's episode. We'll be discussing Annie Management Consulting in the healthcare space. And today joining us is Annie Hockey, SkyTel's very own president and head of consulting at SkyTel Group. Annie, I, of course, know all about you. I ask about your background all the time. I'm fascinated by it. For those of, uh, of us that don't know you, though, could you give us a brief glimpse as to who you are and where you came from? Well, absolutely. And it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so I always like to say that I'm really a hybrid management consultant and operator. Uh, after going to Stanford as an undergrad, I moved up to Silicon Valley with what seemed like my entire class and uh, began my career in early stage startups. Then after going back down to Stanford because it was fun the first time and completing my MBA, uh, I actually sort of cut my management consulting teeth at Bain & Company, which is a global management consulting firm that I worked in the San Francisco office for. And then most recently, I went back into operations and I started and was the co-founder and co-CEO of a fintech company that's based in San Francisco. It's still, it is still running, um, but I happily transitioned to a board role earlier this year to join, to join SkyTail. So it's really a treat to be here. That's great. Okay, well, where do we start here? You've done a lot, uh, impressive career already. Let's go down the consulting path. Uh, what type of consulting did you do? What did you see there? What was it like? It's a great, it's a great question. I've really done two, two types of consulting. So as I mentioned before, I began my consulting career at, at Bain & Company. But more recently, actually closer to SkyTail, I was doing some independent consulting. And I can talk about, I can talk about that difference and, and what that actually means. Um, so, so at Bain, I worked at the intersection of their retail and private equity practices. And so what that meant was sometimes we would work with private equity firms to diligence, which really just means look at, help them evaluate, review firms that they maybe wanted to buy. But actually, what I typically did more often was on the backside, where I would come in after a private equity firm had actually bought a company and help them make sure that things went well. So for example, at one company, I helped them develop their pricing strategy because everyone wanted to make sure that they weren't leaving money on the table, right, for their, for their uh, this was a clothing brand, a sort of trendy clothing brand. So that was quite fun. And at another, at another company, for example, um, I helped them build out their omni-channel strategy because the private equity firm and the leaders of that company wanted to make sure that they were maximizing their revenue, right? You can sell online, you can sell any number of places. So we helped them evaluate what was the most productive place to do that. That said, the thing about consulting, which is so fun, is that while that's where I spent the majority of my time, Every project is really different. And so there are also things that I did that were completely outside of the realm of those things. So one, I think a good example of that would be <clears throat> I worked with a public safety software company and helped them think about, you know, how do we ensure the safety of, you know, our company against our competitors, but also the safety of Americans by leapfrogging with interesting innovation. So I'm going to date myself because this was a while ago, but we were helping them look at things like drones or things like facial recognition to make sure that um, that software was set up in the most effective, innovative way using our current technologies. The second type of consulting that I, that I had mentioned before, the independent consulting, 
was actually, it was quite different in some ways the same. I can talk about that than the, the, the Bain experience. These were clients that I was working with independently and was where I really began my career in retail healthcare and, and learned, learned a lot more about that space. And so what was really fun about this type of consulting, it was really intimate, right? So I'd be working with a founder, CEO, maybe the sole manager of a practice, helping them think through things like, should I add this new business line? Should I add this laser? Should I add you know, an additional service and helping them evaluate those things? Or even really operational best practices. So again, a little bit more uh, deep in the weeds, but that was a fun, a fun way to flex, flex that way as well. Love that. Okay. That's a lot to unpack there. And uh, if I want to age myself, I'll tell you that I grew up, there were cassettes. Uh, I don't know if you know what that is, but uh, so drones seems fairly recent to me. Uh, so with all of that, are there any pain points that your clients experience? Is, is there a theme at all? Well, I would first like to confirm that I do, in fact, I think probably still own a cassette tape somewhere in my home. Um, but, but of course, I think, you know, I think what is really so interesting about this is whether you are a teeny firm or a Fortune 500 company, you see the common themes that business leaders struggle with, with across that spectrum. And I, I think at the end of the day, our blind spots are really rooted in human nature. You know, we're not necessarily rational human beings, something my psychology major taught me. Um, and incentives really matter. And so, again, I can talk about some of those pain points, but it's, it's really interesting how that, how that runs the spectrum. Um, I think one pain point that I, I continue to encounter and, and encountered a lot at Bain is not knowing what is actually happening beneath the hood of your company. So, for example, there can be oftentimes a disconnect um, between what's happening in the corporate center, right, maybe in HQ, and what's actually happening on the floor. I think one uh, good example of this was there was a retail company that I was working with that allowed their in-store employees to determine their discounts and their pro promotions for their inventory. And so what that meant is the corporate had basically no idea that a lot of store managers were selling things at a loss, right? And so that's an example of just needing to know what's happening. Um, and similarly, you know, if you are a DSO owner or owner of a practice, you know, what is your fully loaded cost of supplies? What is your conversion rate from a sales call? This is data that's really important, but it's actually really hard to collect. And so, you know, I'll say that knowing what's happening under the hood is the first part of the problem. And then knowing why that's happening and then what to do about it, of course, is, is are the pieces that you actually need to do at the end of the day. And so I think a universal problem there is putting in the systems in place to surface that data, know what your takeaways are. And that really requires setting up the systems um, to get you the information that you need. I love the uh, under the hood comment that you make. And it's fascinating to hear that that happens at Fortune 500, 100 companies as well. Because as we relate it to the conversations we have on a daily basis, that's exactly one of the pain points of is there a disconnect between, let's say, management company, if you're a multi-site healthcare firm, and your actual locations and practices, are they all aware of one another and what they're doing and walking in lockstep? So uh, I guess comforting in a sense, but uh, also scary that these problems don't tend to go away, it sounds like, uh, unless you figured out a way how to do that. So let's let's get into that. You know, a lot of the folks that we talk to that, that we work with, 
they want to know how, how do I actually scale? So you've, you've done when you were doing your own consulting, it was more intimate, as you said earlier, you've also been with fortune 500 companies and I'm guessing they wanted to continue to grow as well. They're not, they're not hiring you to be stagnant. Have you noticed any themes as companies grow, as they scale that we want to keep in mind? What are, what are the shifts there? Yeah, I think, I mean, I would say that basically the types of problems that you face shift over time. And so in a way it's the, the same problem, but they just get bigger and bigger. And so Again, I can bring this back to the, the dental practice example. So when you are the single, the single owner of a one-site dental practice, essentially you can probably manage the show, right? You can practice, you can be in charge of everything down to, you know, cleaning the location, buying the equipment for the location. It's really, it's really your organization. And that at a certain point when you begin to add additional locations, that begins to break down because there really is only one of you. And so at that point, up-leveling, right? Clicking up is so important so you can think strategically about what needs to happen at your firm. But of course, someone still needs to be ordering that equipment. And so really the key is is systems, people, and processes. I think equipping yourself with the right team around you is I will just become a broken record on this every day is the most important thing you can do as a business leader. But also, again, putting systems in place to make sure that you also have a safety net for when people things go wrong to ensure that the day-to-day can run really smoothly. Love it. So let's shift. I want to know about your business. You know, we've talked about your consulting. You've also founded your business. You're now on the board, as you mentioned. Um, you grew it. I feel like you got a head start with all of this knowledge. Like, I wish I wish you would have been here five years ago when we were founded with what you were saying. Did you have it all figured out, or did you have any pain points? What, what was that like? Well, Ben, I will say... If anyone ever, ever tells you they have it all figured out, you should probably run the opposite direction. <laughs> um, I would love to know. Um, no, I, I think what's so interesting is, is as much as you may think as a consultant, you're inoculated to some of these things, right? You see them over and over again when you're in the weeds itself. You know, you'll, you may find yourself making some of the same mistakes. And so really the challenge there is just making sure to catch yourself. And again, what are the systems to make sure that happens? Um, so, you know, Pain points that I described before were certainly things that uh, I encountered, but you know, I think, I think two things I that I think about a lot is the second that you have something figured out, it will change, right? The second an SOP is written on a piece of paper, it's an outdated piece of paper, and the beauty of that is it's actually a, a litmus test for success. That means your business is growing and changing and evolving, which as a business leader is exactly why you're there, right? But I think. It's a lesson in needing to learn how to shift gears really quickly, right? Maybe one day a customer wants this type of treatment in a med spa, but next year suddenly this laser is really in. So how do you have uh, close feedback mechanisms to surface those types of things? And then I, you know, the final thing I will say, which is I think again a universal challenge, and it's something I think a lot about even here at Skytail, right? Is how do you keep your eye on the prize? I think when you're a leader and you enter, you know, you come into the office in any given day, you may have a plan, right? There are these three things that are most important use of my time today, and those are the things I'm going to focus on. Then someone comes into your office and something happens and there's a little fire here and there's a little fire here. And it's easy to let the day-to-day sort of, I wouldn't say fires, but the day-to-day just intricacies of having a company dictate your use of time. 
And so making sure that you don't get distracted, right? And, you know, Ben, as, as I always say to you, your job is to think 10 years, five years ahead, right? And so allowing the time for you to continue to brainstorm and innovate and ensure that the firm can move forward is key. That's fascinating hearing those two things. As you mentioned on the second one, it's something you remind me of. But the first one, I don't know if you recall, but we actually talked about this yesterday by chance. Uh, and I think, you know, the way we say it here, but it's the same concept is that we as a firm, as we grow, have to be very comfortable with putting our best foot forward for that day and then being completely comfortable breaking it and redoing it and improving any process or methodology. So that's it. That's Absolutely. interesting. Those are the two things for you. And I, and I think just bouncing off of that, I think, you know, when, when you break down a process that you had and, and rejigger it, I think it's easy to, you know, have that impact morale because it's like, oh, was that the wrong process? And, and the, I think the takeaway or key here is that that was actually probably the perfect process at the time for that phase of business. So it's not that anyone did anything wrong. It's just at a certain point that may stop serving you and not being afraid to say, okay, let's, you know, shift gears right now. That's, that's really the key. And it, it brings back what we talked to some of our clients about, which is there are different inflection points that what worked when you were three locations, you're going to break, redo seven locations is a frequent one that we see as an inflection point. And then you get up to 15 and it takes a different level uh, of, of company. Uh, so, yeah, that's exactly right. We see it not just here, but we see it with the with the people we work with as well and what we hear in the market in general. Yes, absolutely. That's great. So after all of these things, you're now here. What what made you come? Uh, can you double click on that a little bit? Yes. Well, I, I always like to remind uh, the Skytail team that I actually found them uh, and forced the job, forced the job of, upon Skytail. Um, no, but I think more seriously, Skytail has an exceedingly high reputation. And so I'd always known of Skytail. Um, I just had known of them as an investment bank, right? Which is, of course, something that's, you know, I plan to change, right? That's my job to change. But when I heard that they had a management consulting arm, it was just only a natural reaction to reach out and want to engage with the firm to learn more. Um, and, you know, when I reached out to Ben and started engaging with Ben and the team, I quickly, it, it quickly became so clear to me why the reputation exists and that, you know, traverses both sides of the business. That's the excellence of the banking team, but it's also the excellence of the work product that the consulting team delivers for their, for their clients really every day. Um, and, you know, I think a few things feed into that. I would say, again, I'm going to be a broken record. I'm going to say people. Uh, so, so the folks at Skytail have an incredible combination of intelligence and integrity, uh, which is key for this industry, right? This is a relationship business and that integrity is is so valuable. It's actually necessary. Um, but there's also an excitement about the future and what they're building and, and that type of energy is really, it's just a fun thing to join. And I will also say sort of for more of a business standpoint, it's exceedingly rare to find a firm that is has incredible product market fit, A, and B, in an industry that's really only in its first inning. And so for me, that's kind of a no-brainer. And icing on the cake is that this phase of business is my most favorite, right? I spent a lot of times in, in early stage startups and my sort of main job there has always been to take something that is working and new and build up, as we've talked about today, the systems, processes, team, and people to allow that to scale. 
And so for me, I mean, this is just fun. And I think we're just getting started. I agree. I think we're just getting started. I will say, uh, as we continue to go on, one thing that you mentioned we'll have to hold ourselves to is to continue all of the things that you mentioned, integrity, intelligence, positive reputation, doing right by our clients. So this will serve as a good reminder. You heard it uh, here. I, I, yeah, I can play it anytime. Um, the second thing you mentioned is the first inning and the industries we play in. What are you bullish on in the subsectors that we play in or just in general in healthcare, if you want to touch on it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think first of all, I'll touch on dental. And dental is is one of those industries that has had private equity attention for some time now. And so it's a lot more consolidated than a lot of our other verticals. Um, and I think there can be an inclination that we're at a, a, a later inning, right, of that industry. And And what I will say is that fascinatingly about, I mean, I, I think the metric is about a third, 35% of Americans are still not getting dental services. And shockingly, 50% of those with insurance are not. And so, you know, when I look at those stats, right, that's white space. And so again, I think that dental has a lot more to do. And I'm excited to be there for that journey of that, the continued journey of that industry. And then on the aesthetic, I'll, I'll touch on aesthetics as well, because that's a, sort of a newer, it's in many ways viewed at as the opposite. It's a newer, it's a newer uh, player to the retail healthcare space. And the, the trend I, I see the, there, which again makes me incredibly bullish on the, the industry, is that I, I think we're all noticing a shift of things that we typically thought as nice to have, you know, luxury spa service becoming into the parameter or sort of the role realm of critical just wellness and healthcare. Um, so an example of that might be, is a regular facial looked at sort of like, you know, a regular tooth cleaning? Um, and even in terms of wellness, right, what's happening on the inside is really important for your overall well-being. And, and I think that's an interesting trend of them becoming need-to-haves and part of why I believe the industry just continues to grow at a pretty shocking rate. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you read the statistics, I think aesthetics is supposed to grow 15 to 18 percent uh, over the next decade or so. And exactly for the reasons you mentioned, people are hyper focusing on wellness. And as you said, there's still a lot of opportunity in dental. I mean, we hear it all the time. How do you bring more people in? Uh, and I think there are some folks who are who are really trying to solve for that. So that'll be fascinating. And and that space is already a gigantic market cap. So Absolutely. anyone who can solve that would be, uh, it would be fascinating. So Annie, thank you so much. Um, are there any final points, key points that you would just like to reiterate? What should I take away as my bullet points here if I'm listening? Oh, <laughs> um, I would say, you know, I think, I think from this conversation, a few of the things that we've, we've touched upon is, this kind of dueling need to both focus on and know what's happening in the now, right? What's happening in your retail stores? What's happening in your practices? What are your front desk people actually saying to customers when they call? But balancing that by also looking five steps into the future so you can maintain your corporate edge and ensure that, you know, in 10 years, you're still, do, you know, on top of the market and in line with consumer trends. And so, you know, I think if anyone gets that balance perfectly, I'd love to talk to them. Uh, but again, I think just putting supports around you to be sort of that in a way life jacket. And that can be a combination of advisors that I, you know, which I believe really strongly in networks, uh, networks of friends who are in the same industry, you know, just people to call on to make sure that your blind spots are taken care of. 
That's great advice. I'll I'll take those notes down myself as well <laughs> for this firm. Uh, thank you so much, Annie, for coming on today and sharing your insights and knowledge. I know that we internally are super excited about the leadership, the knowledge, the energy that you bring. I know people in the market are as well. Uh, so it's going to be extremely excited how you affect really the overall markets that we play in. It's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you for the time. Um, and thank you. We thank you for listening and hope you got some good nuggets for today. And we would love if you subscribe to our podcast. Thank you. And until next time. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening to SkyTel Insights. If you like the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.